you ever use the word need and then catch yourself and go, do I, do I actually need this? I was thinking about that because sometimes I, I will say, I need this or I need that. And then I'll catch myself and I'll be like, honestly, I probably could survive without it. Or maybe my kids will say, hey, I need that. I need something. And we go, do we actually need that? Or do we just want it and we're using the word need as a, as a kind of cover for that? I was thinking about that because my, what I'm wondering is, what is it that we really need in our Christian life? Like, what is it that we really need from God? What is the thing that we really need to remember this week as opposed to just the thing that we want? You and I, you might have a hard week ahead or a hard week behind, and you're going, I need so-and-so to change. But is that really the thing that you need? You might say, well, I need a relationship change. I need more money. I need a new job. I need freedom from this toxic situation. But is that actually what we need? Or does God have something else for us that we actually need? Like he, God uses the word need and he like means it in a different way. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 where we are going to look at like what is it that we really need? What is the thing that we really need? Go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Today we're going to be focusing on just verses 1, 2, and 3. We're going to touch on verses 4 and 5 just for a second, but we're really going to drill down on verses 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, help us to hear clearly from you. Help us to hear from you what it is that we really need. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, because your Bible kind of has that break, feels like a kind of a separate thing. Okay, let's give a new thought. But this is actually a continuation of what verses 15 through 23 were saying. Verses 15 through 23 is like Paul praying for the, the believers in and around the city of Ephesus in Turkey. That and But in ver, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is actually kind of a continuation of that. He was praying specifically, this is mid-thought. In mid-thought, he's praying specifically, I pray that you may comprehend, that you may know God's power in your life. And this, so, so what he's doing is he's praying for them to understand something. He's praying for them to understand something. He's praying that they would understand the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And then verse 1 says, And you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so what, what we're going to get to here, what Paul is trying to get us to hear, is that you and I need a deeper comprehension of God's power at work in our lives. 
the verses already have talked about God's power at work in raising Jesus from the dead, making him the authority over all things, including the church. But he's praying, and so this is what we're going to be looking at today. You need a deeper comprehension of God's power at work in your life. You need a deeper comprehension of God's power at work in your life. And so what I wanted to what I want to show you today is three statements that you need to remind yourself of. And so wherever you're at, either pull out a phone or grab a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil and write these down because we need a deeper comprehension of God's power at work in our lives. And these are three statements for us that we need to remind ourselves of regarding God's power. Statement one number one is, I was Satan's captive, but by God's power I'm not anymore. I was Satan's captive, but by God's power I'm not anymore. One more time. I was Satan's captive, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. Look at verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So this is connected to that. I'm praying that you would come to understand the power of God at work for you. And here he's saying, And you were Dead in your transgressions and sins. Just that word were, maybe your translation says once right there in that sentence. You were once dead in your transgressions and sins, cluing us in that you used to be dead. What was that death like? What did it sound like? It talks about being subject to, you followed, you were under the authority of, you were held captive by the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You just followed the ways of this world and were held captive to it. He's, the, he's describing Satan. The Bible says that, the, that uh, describes Satan's authority in the world because of sin. Still, he's under God's rule. We see that in the book of Job. But that, that the world is the place that Satan prowls around seeking those whom he may destroy or devour. And so this passage says, you used to be dead. You walked the way the world walked, and you were subject to Satan, who ruled the world. Notice that there's a million sins he could have pointed to, but he says, the spirit who is now at work in those who are, like we could just put in any category of sin that we might think are major, but what this passage says, it's, it's, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Not those X, Y, or Z, whatever category. It's that disobedience itself is this mark of like allegiance and subjection to Satan. That's why disobedience is such a big deal in the Bible because that's, that's showing an allegiance. I'm not listening to God. I'm loyal to Satan. And so what he's pointing them to is, you used to be dead in your transgressions and sins, subject to Satan's power, captive to Satan. But notice that, that you were dead. You once were. He's, he's cluing us in. This, I, that you used to be dead. He's using that word you. You used to be dead in your transgressions and sins. Remember, he's praying for people who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already said that in verse 15 of chapter 1. But he's, he's saying, you used to be dead and under Satan's power. 
verse 4 and 5 is going to kind of make that a little bit more clear. What does it mean used to be? What's happened since then? But he is saying the thing that we need to comprehend is that we were once Satan's captive, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. We have to come to a deeper comprehension of that truth. We used to be held captive, but we're not anymore. It's one of the it reminds me of one of the stories of Jesus healing a man filled with demons under demonic influence. They couldn't chain him up because he was the, the demons, would, as they possessed him, would make him so strong he would break free from those chains. And so when his, he went by the name Legion because there were so many demons influencing and controlling him. And in that story of Jesus delivering that man, casting those demons into a herd of pigs that ran off the cliff. We, we see the embodiment of Jesus' authority over those held captive by Satan. We see that repeatedly throughout Jesus' life. It was not just that He had compassion. He did, but it was showing Jesus has the authority to set people free from captivity to Satan and his demons. And so the, the comprehension that you and I need to come to is that I was Satan's captive, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. And so, then, we need to remind ourselves of this truth so that our, in our minds, we are going, hey, you know what? There is no power that controls me. There is no power that, that is outside of Jesus' authority. I was once Satan's captive, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I am set free. And so there may be besetting sins. There may be sins that we fall into and we repeatedly fall into. We must be reminded that Jesus has set us free from the captivity to Satan. Satan doesn't own us. Satan comes along wanting to whisper stuff in our ears. God must not love you or care for you. You belong to me. And this passage, we need to remind ourselves of it. No, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Satan, I don't belong to you anymore. We need a deeper comprehension of that truth. The second statement you need to remind yourself of is, I was controlled by my compulsions, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I was controlled by my compulsions, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. That first statement, it's kind of like this outward, like, like Paul did, used you guys. And so he's going to switch to uh, us, kind of switch his language to us. But not only that, we can go, oh, I was Satan's captive, but I'm set free. As if it's all Satan's fault. But this one kind of helps us go, there's actually more layers to my deliverance than I realized because I'm not just delivered by Satan from Satan outside of me, but I'm also delivered on the inside from my like my enslavement to my own compulsions, my own choices, my own cravings is a good word that this translation uses. Because verse three, end uh, of verse two, I'm sorry, verse three says, all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so it's not just I was in captive to Satan, but also so captive, controlled, compelled by my own compulsions and cravings. And I couldn't be set free. We used to, your translation may say you behaved that way. We used to live like that. 
We used to be controlled by desires, and we couldn't, we couldn't get control of those desires. Our desires controlled us. He says we gratified the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, just kind of piling up words. I do the thing I want to do, and it was a mess. I wanted to do something. My mind was set on something, and it was bad, but I wanted it, and I did it anyway. And I was controlled by those things. Controlled, not controlling my desires and my mind. This passage tells us, we have to tell ourselves, I was controlled by my compulsions, by my cravings. But again, notice he says, all of us lived among them at one time. Your translations may say once. It's kind of using this word over and over. I used to be controlled by the things that I was com- com- kind of pe- compelled to from the inside out. I once lived that way. But I'm not anymore. But I'm not anymore. The, the, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would come to understand God's power that raised a dead person controlled by his desires and his mind has now been set free. That power is working for your good. That power is at work in your life. I was controlled by my compulsions, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I used to have no control over it, but not anymore. I'm now set free. It's like the difference in, uh, in going up into a building between getting into an elevator and going up the stairs. Because it, when we go uh, into a building and we're going up the stairs, we can go from one side of the stairs to the other. We can go up, we can stop, we can go down. We're the ones that are actually in control of where we go and what goes on. But when we get in an elevator and the button gets pushed, it's now out of our hands. We will inevitably go where the room goes. This passage is telling us that used to, we were controlled by something inside of us and we had no control over it. But by God's power, not anymore. Maybe you know what that's like. Controlled by an addiction. Controlled by a a, a sin that you you could not get control of. You, You knew that it was wrong. You knew that your relationships were being destroyed. You knew that your life was crumbling. And this passage says that God in His grace, by His power, has changed you from the inside out. You're not controlled by your compulsions and cravings anymore. And we need to remind ourselves that if we are in Christ, That we are now in God's power, not controlled by our desires and our minds. Many times Satan comes along and is whispering, just do the thing that you want to do. The good news of the gospel is that by God's power, we're not captive to those things anymore. We now, in the power of the Spirit, get to submit our choices to God. You see, before we were in Christ, we couldn't help but sin. There was no ability to to love and obey God from the heart. And now in Christ, we have his record and we have his spirit. And and we we now have the ability to turn away from sin. We now have the ability to turn away from fleshly desires that we say, oh, this is going to make me happy. But you know what? God says that's not true. And he's now given me the ability to love and trust and obey him. And so you and I need to be a deeper comprehension of being freed from our desires. Being freed from the control of our desires. Our desires are still there, some good, some bad. All of them, we now have the ability to submit them to Christ by God's power. 
And so when those thoughts come into our minds, those desires come into our bodies, and we go, this is the thing that I want to do. I must speak to my loved ones this way. I must get control of the situation at work this way. I must satisfy myself in this way. This passage says, I used to be controlled by my compulsions, but not anymore. And so what, where do you need to hear that message in your life? Is it, a, is it a tongue that's out of control? You know, if you are in Christ, you are not controlled by your tongue anymore. If you are in Christ, you are not controlled by greed anymore. By God's power. If you are in Christ, we are not controlled by our compulsions anymore. The third statement you need to remind yourself of is, I was defined by God's anger, but by God's power I'm not anymore. I was defined by God's anger, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. Notice verse 3 finishes with this. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Translation, some translations say we were children of wrath. We were children of God's anger. But by nature, we were defined as people only deserving and looking forward to God's anger and to God's wrath because we have disobeyed Him. We have turned away from Him. We have set up our own kingdoms. We have lived our own way. We used to be like that. We used to be God's enemies with a de being defined with an identity, with a nature from the inside out. Defined by God's anger just like everybody else. You see, some of us actually need to hear that as a reminder that there is nobody in the world that is a worse sinner than you. There is nobody in the world who is a worse sinner than me. There is nobody in my house that's a worse sinner than I am. Because that by nature, I was a child defined by God's wrath and God's anger. We, ha we have to get this right as a church that we used to be defined by God's anger and it was right because of how we had lived, because of how we had turned our backs away from God. And so all sin puts us in that category. Not just if you were a part of the mafia and you shot somebody and watched them bleed out. Not just because you've chosen a lifestyle that our culture defines as better or worse or whatever. Like, like the, in, in, in the Bible... This, in the Bible, everybody who has turned away from God's authority stands on even ground. Young children and death row inmates. Everybody stands before him as children deserving of wrath. But notice he does it again. We were by nature deserving of wrath. That word were is so good, so important. We were, not we are. Not we are. We used to be deserving of God's wrath, defined by God's anger at our sin. But my identity is not that anymore. That word were is so important. My identity used to be there, but it's not anymore. It's not anymore. Some of you are listening to this right now, and there is some identity in your mind because of a sin that you have committed because of a lifestyle that you have lived, because of something that you have thought, some message that Satan is giving to you. 
And you define yourself as a child of God's anger. But if you are in Christ, this passage says we used to be defined by God's anger, defined by God's wrath, but not anymore. Not anymore. We have to get to the point where we can identify the message of Satan and say, not anymore, Satan. Not anymore. Satan were and once and used to be are really important words because Satan doesn't like them. He doesn't like the transformation. And so he whispers in our mind, you are still in your sin. God is still mad at you. You deserve nothing. And this passage says, my, I was defined by God's anger, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I love that, that, that aspect in this, these verses. This focus on God's power. You see, this sermon would be really kind of vanilla and kind of common if the statements were things like, I was Satan's captive, but by God's grace, I'm not anymore. I was controlled by my compulsions, but by God's grace, I'm not anymore. I was defined by God's anger, but by God's grace, I'm not anymore. And sometimes that just feels like God is a benevolent grandfather, dressed up like Santa Claus, dispensing some kindness. But this passage says that God uses power to change us. God is the one who is the one at work. I used to be Satan's captive, but God, like a rescuer, used his power to change me and to free me from Satan's captivity. I was controlled by my compulsions. And God didn't just let it slide. God came to the rescue to deliver me by his power. So I'm not controlled by those things anymore. I used to be defined by God's anger. And he didn't just set it aside and learn to forgive and forget. God used his power. God used his strength. So that I don't have to be defined by that anymore. Maybe you today need to be reminded that God is using his power on your behalf. God used his power on your behalf in salvation. And so now we can say, Satan, it's not just by grace, which is true, but it's also by God's power that I'm not what I used to be. Maybe you hear messages from a husband, a wife, a best friend, a parent, a child, a neighbor that cuts you down and puts you down. And you need to, maybe you need to say it with your mouth, but maybe you just need to hear it on the inside. By God's power, I'm not that anymore. By God's power, God is changing me and freeing me, and it doesn't matter what you think. Maybe we need to hear that message, I used to be, but not anymore, Satan. This passage is just filled with good news. that God is using his power for our advantage. Making us not what we used to be. But often I, I feel more like Satan's captive, listening to his messages and not God's. So often I feel controlled by my compulsions, giving in to the desires inside of me. So often I define myself as God is not happy with me. He must be writing me off. I don't, most of the time I don't live with a deeper comprehension of God's power at work in my life. And so where is the good news? Maybe you're in the same boat I'm in. This sounds like great, but it sounds like a law. Oh, I'm just supposed to tell myself this. And maybe if I tell myself this, then it'll somehow become true. As if we can somehow elevate ourselves through some more obedience. Where is the good news? The good news for you and for me is that Jesus obeyed God the Father perfectly. It was never Satan's captive, but died 
in this world. The world that Satan is at work in. Jesus obeyed the Father perfectly. Not controlled by his desires. Feeling the full weight of my sinful desires. And yet died in my place. Jesus is the one whom the Father said, I am well pleased with you. And yet died with God's back turned away from him. In my place. In your place. And so we don't have to just go, oh, maybe I can obey and that will somehow earn my way out of Satan's captivity. Maybe if I tell myself these things enough, then uh, God will be happy with me. No, I actually can know that my record is Jesus' record. This, you see, Jesus in his death is not an illustration for us. It is a manifestation of God's power. And so it is absolutely true that when Jesus died on the cross, we were that we who trust in Christ were freed from Satan's captivity. And it was a manifestation of God's power in that moment. You see, it's not just an illustration. It was a manifestation of God's power. And when Jesus died on the cross for my compulsions, for my cravings, I was set free from those things in Jesus' death. Jesus' death is a manifestation of this truth that God's anger was poured out on Jesus so that it will never be poured out on me because I trust in Him. And so these statements are not just a law out there that we're supposed to try to keep or a law up here that's going to crush us. These statements are true for those who are in Christ Jesus. These statements are true if you are in Christ Jesus. You say, Joe, how can I know for sure that I am in Christ Jesus? The Bible tells us that in four acts. For act one, the, God, the Bible tells us that God made the world and he made it good. That makes him king over it because he made it. And he put Adam and Eve in the world and told them to live as little kings and queens under him. But Adam and Eve said, no, we will not live your way. We will not keep your rules. We want to do our own thing. This passage says sons of disobedience. It says that all of us are sons of disobedience, setting up our own kingdoms. Act 2 is that story of that disobedience, and it tells us that that is where sin entered into the world. And God promised to punish his enemies. Physical death entered the world in that moment, and spiritual death entered the world in that moment, so that all of an Adam and Eve's descendants become children of God's wrath because we have participated with them in disobedience against God. Act 3 says that instead of leaving us under his judgment, that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, and was raised to life as God's great yes on him. So that in Act 4, we can have Jesus' record, knowing that we have already died in him for our sins. Because he died in our place. And that becomes ours as we repent, as we change our minds, as we turn away from sin and disobedience and rebellion against God. And trust in Jesus alone to save us. Not in our obedience, not in our baptism, not in our church membership, not in how many civic things we can do, but in the fact that Jesus did it all for us. And so then these statements become true for us. If you have trusted in Christ, these statements are true for you. I was Satan's captive, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I was controlled by my compulsions, but, I, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. I was defined by God's anger, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. 
That is good news. That is good news that this is, these statements are true for us. And so what you need and what I need are deeper comprehensions of God's power at work in our lives. So as we go about our days wrestling with temptation and with guilt and with shame, we can know that God is using his power, setting us free from Satan's captivity. So we're not controlled by our cravings anymore. And so that we are not defined by God's anger. We are identified as God's children. That becomes good news as we begin to live a lives in this kind of power. I imagine the kind of anxiety that we can be freed from when we tell ourselves and deeply comprehend the fact that by God's power, I'm not Satan's captive anymore. Imagine the kind of freedom from anxiety that can come when we can, at a deeper level, comprehend that I was defined by God's anger, but by God's power, I'm not anymore. God is working, has been working, and is working, and will always be working for my good. He does not define me by his anger anymore. Imagine the kind of despair that we can be freed from when we can know that we are not, by God's power, we are not controlled by our cravings and compulsions anymore. We're not controlled by those things anymore. Let's pray. God, help us to deeply comprehend this. Your word tells us that this is what we need to know. Help us to know that more and more deeply. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.